Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Um, if you've been with us over the last few Sundays, uh, since the middle of January, really, you'll realize that we are working through Acts of the Apostles verse by verse. Um, and we're towards the end now of chapter 2. Uh, last week I had the privilege of, of um, preaching from Peter's sermon, full of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we pick up the story, just a few verses, a little summary passage uh, at the end of um, chapter 2, verse 42. I'll just read from verse 40. Uh, as Peter finishes his sermon, he's called them to repent, believe, be baptized in water, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 40, it says, With many other words, Peter warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted them... By the way, that's amazing. Uh, I know if you've been around church for a while, you've read that verse over and over and over again. But that is amazing. That's extraordinary. That's what we live and pray for and trust God for. Uh, let me carry on. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone. Can I hear you say everyone? everyone. Okay, well done. You're with me. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything. Can I hear you say everything? Everyone and everything, everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone. Can I hear you say anyone? anyone? Everyone. What was the second word? Anything, everything, anyone. We're getting the gist of it here. Every day. Oh, we've got to do that one as well now. Thank you. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, let me hear you say daily, <laughs> those who are being saved. Lord Jesus, we love these scriptures. We love your living word. Lord, I love that prayer Tony prayed. Uh, that, that finished in this, this word of God that's been given, that we can stand on, that we can believe, that is the basis for our lives. Jesus, you've spoken, and uh, we've believed, and we want to take hold again today. Would you help us by your spirit as we just work through these verses, uh, these simple uh, truths that I'm going to share. May they light a fire in our heart as we've been praying this morning, as we gather around the tables and break bread and share wine in a few moments. Oh God, we're looking for you to speak into us and put a fire in our bellies for the kingdom of God to spread and grow and fill the earth. We agree together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't think there's a passage of scripture in my life that has shaped the vision, values, the culture of the kind of church that, that I've longed to be a part of and have the privilege of leading. I don't think there's a passage of scripture that's done that any more than this, than this passage here. From our earliest days, um, when we were planting the very first church we were involved in, in our front room, these were the verses that we prayed over and over again and used to lay down the kind of vision and values for a uh, new church. A few years later, when we were serving the team over in East Grinstead and we managed to buy this big warehouse and, and were gathering over 400 on Sundays, it was these verses still. They worked in the front room, they worked with 400 plus, they were written on our hearts and in fact we physically wrote them on a banner uh, that we put up in our worship space. I don't think there are verses that I've prayed any more over this community in the few years that I've been here, um, any more than these, these lines of scripture that by the spirit something of this character of this church might be formed in, in us. Um, the context here, remember Peter's just preached 
with the Holy Spirit's help, he's been incredibly bold, not in his own strength, as Joel's reminded us. And uh, he's speaking to a primarily a Jewish crowd in the middle of Jerusalem. These are men and women who already believe in God. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. If you want to catch up on that, listen again to last week. And um, this week, we've seen in our news with our UK politics, um, it's shown us people can walk away from the tribes that they've been very tightly connected with and form something new. And I guess in Acts chapter 2, that's what's happening here as 3,000 break off from the Jewish tribe. They form an independent group, if you like. Uh, and uh, for a long time after that, were thought of as just a group within Judaism. But now they are followers of the way, the way of Jesus. And what we read in this little summary passage is the response of those disciples who followed Jesus, who are getting filled with the Holy Spirit and are carrying forward a mission in their hearts that other people might also get to hear about Jesus and join them in their new group. For the 3,000 who responded um, to that message that was preached that day, this is what happens next. For the, the three who responded in our Sunday in various ways last weekend, this stuff is what happens next. It's what you give yourself to. For each of us who've responded to the gospel at any point recently or years gone by, this is what happens next. This is the kind of community of discipleship that we are called into. Um, and so uh, we're going to look at these verses together now. First, just a reminder, what's our way into this new community? Um, it's a wide open community. It's great to preach with our, our doors at the back of the church, wide open. It's wide open, but it's very exclusive. It's a narrow way. Uh, Peter declared in verse 21 of chapter 2, if anyone who calls on the, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, there were those in the crowd who called on the name of the Lord in that moment. And so in verse 38, Peter said, here's your way in. Great. It's open to anyone. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But now for those who are responding, here's the narrow way. Peter says, repent, believe, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, welcome to the new community. That's how it works in Peter's mind on that first day with that first gathering around uh, the, the gospel. There's no other membership criteria. You know, there's no verses that have been taken out from the original Greek where you find, oh, actually, Peter had six months with them where he was doing like a discipleship boot camp. No, that's, that's not what happened here. Um, they, they repented, they believed, they were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They formed a new community with the Spirit's help. We, we were hoping to have some baptisms today, this, this Sunday. We're so close to having some baptisms. There are people who are responding to the gospel. That's really good news. The gospel is still good news. We didn't quite make it for this Sunday. We will do soon. But what we read about here in this passage is the very next step after being baptized into Jesus Christ. The next step is, in this context, a, new, a brand new church formed. Um, no course, as I've said. No waiting around. In fact, as we, and we'll see it in the coming weeks and months as we go through Acts, that's exactly the pattern that happens time after time. Acts chapter 10, Peter at Cornelius' house shares the gospel with a non-Jewish crowd. They also respond to God and get filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the Jews have. And Peter says, oh, what's to stop me getting this crowd baptized as well? They're added into a church in Cornelius' house. Acts 16 the Philippian jailer in his household with our small, small group. Martin Johnson took us through this a couple of weeks ago. The Philippian jailer, born again in the night when all his prisoners have escaped. Immediately, he and his household are baptised and a new church in their home uh, begins. Um, Acts 19, uh, at Ephesus, 
Uh, Paul goes in towards Ephesus, the city, meets some guys who've heard about John the Baptist, but they don't yet know about Jesus. So he shares the truth about Jesus with them. They respond to Jesus. They get baptized in water. They receive the Holy Spirit, and a new church in Ephesus is formed. Straight into the water, filled with the Spirit, and, and with the Spirit's help, a new community forming with some really distinctive values around Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that helps them leave behind all their old thinking, all the, the sin, uh, the wrong values, and to embrace completely the way of Jesus. Um, and so here's where we start, verse 42, with this incredible word, devotion. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. The, the word that's written devoted in our English Bibles um, it comes with the meaning in other passages in Scripture where it's used of continuing steadfastly. As someone who loves to run marathons, I like this word, to continue steadfastly. Just keep going. Don't stop. It, it means to be strong towards, to intensively endure, to persevere in something, to continually attend to. Can you get the sense of, it, of to be devoted is to, is to embrace some kind of battling language and battling mindset. It's the language of wrestling. And uh, as new believers, all believers, we've got an enemy. We should not be unaware of his schemes. He wants us to give up the 3,000 that responded on the day of Pentecost and repented and believed. They have an enemy who's straight at work who wants them to give up, to respond one Sunday and to have fallen away by the next. Or for this, this truth about Jesus, just to go skin deep, but never really to penetrate into their lives and bring true life change. We've got an enemy who's always prowling around. I was speaking to one of our new guys earlier before the meeting today who works in cybersecurity. He said there are constant threats that come against our computer systems in the UK from other places. It's just always going on 24-7. Hey, in the same spiritual sense, there is an enemy who's always looking to say, hey, new believer, yeah, I'm going to pull you away. I'm going to pull you away. And so we need to be devoted to something, to someone. We have, wonderfully, on the other hand, a saviour who wants to lay deep foundations in us. Um, no wonder we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the helper, as he's described. No wonder we need the Holy Spirit as these first believers did right from the start. Not some one-year qualifying course uh, before they get filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to survive. The enemy will prowl around and take you away. But the help is given in order that we might devote ourselves. You can't battle and wrestle and hold on to this new teaching of Jesus without his help. To hold on means that we also have to let go of some other things. You need both hands if you're going to hold firm. If anything really matters, you hold firmly to it with, with both hands. You can't retain a grip on something else when you're trying to hold firm steadfastly. I've taught two out of our three uh, kids to drive, and uh, I've had in both occasions that conversation where you say, keep holding the wheel with both hands. Keep holding the wheel with both hands. Keep holding the wheel with both hands. Hold the wheel with both hands! If, if you've ever taught a teenager to drive, you've been through that process, usually in a slightly quicker uh, moment. Sorry if I woke anyone up there, but, by the way. Um, you, you can't hold on to one thing steadfastly and still hold on to your old life. And that's exactly what happened when we came to Christ. We died to our old life. We looked at this last week, but let me recap again. We gave up. We counted the cost. We laid aside. And for the crowd 
in front of Peter and the apostles here, they were coming out, many of them, most of them, from Jewish traditions and regulations. There would have been an element of breaking off and cutting off. For many of us, certainly from a, from a UK Western uh, viewpoint, we may not feel that when we come to Christ we particularly have uh, much of a tradition or a culture to break off from. Oh boy, we do. And certainly we have a, a, a sin behaviour and attitude issue which seems very normal to us. But if we've truly died to Christ, hey, we don't pick it up again. Both hands off that wheel. These are bankrupt ideologies. We're, if, if, we're, if we're getting baptised into Christ, we leave those old attitudes drowned in the water of baptism. We leave them in the grave and we rise up to a new life in Jesus. And we fully embrace with both hands, hold on to for dear life and, and persevere with him and with his teaching. What was it they were devoted to specifically? Let me just give you two or, or three things from this text. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Um, the apostles gave these new believers a new pattern to live by. Here's the pattern you lived by before. My, my wife is a good sower. She knows how to follow a pattern. Um, here's a new pattern. We need a new pattern now. We've had every day of our lives up until this point following an old pattern that's shaped by sin and worldly desires. Here's a new pattern to live by. And these new believers didn't have the, the fully formed canon of Scripture that we have now. They didn't have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Paul's letters. Paul wasn't even a believer at this point. Um, all they had was the Holy Spirit to remind them of what Jesus had said and did and taught his first disciples. It's amazing what Jesus said. John 14, 26, he's telling his nervous disciples, I'm not going to be with you much longer, I'm going away, but it's going to be better for you because I'm sending another, I'm sending the, another the same as me, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, the helper. And John 14, 26 says of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of the things I said to you. Isn't that wonderful? So Jesus is going, he's not physically present with us. Oh, but how wonderful. Well, I'm not left on my own. I'm not abandoned. I haven't got to work it out or be influenced by any crazy idea that comes into my mind. No, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to remind you specifically of the things that, that I have said and done, Jesus said. What a teacher. So we've got these new lives to live as disciples of Jesus. Where do we start? What do we leave behind? What do I lay down? What do I break off from? What do I pick up? Um, what do we lean into? Well, the Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will lead us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will teach us and remind us um, how we need the Holy Spirit. Does anyone here need the Holy Spirit afresh this morning? Does anyone here think, and you're not going to put your hand up to this, uh, but does anyone here think that I can get on with my Christian life without the Holy Spirit? If you do, see me afterwards, um, and we'll be very happy to pray for you. This new church community and the church communities today around the world are sustained, that started, sustained, carried forward by the Holy Spirit, reminding us and teaching us the ways of Jesus initially through the apostles who've been with Jesus, now through the apostles' teaching. Today we're still devoted to teaching. Preachers like me preach imperfectly from texts with our limited knowledge and understanding. Boy, congregations like you need the Holy Spirit uh, as preachers like me preach imperfectly in order that we might somehow take hold of some of the things that Jesus might be shaping in us. Initially, they uh, were taught things, as we saw last week, like repentance, faith. Baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we see that straight away, whatever it was the Holy Spirit was teaching through the apostles, it was taking root. In this passage, we see straight away it's impacting their worship together. It's impacting their prayer life. 
Um, that they're understanding something of the grace of God. They're realizing it's not by our good works that we stay right with God. And so there's this incredible release of generosity by the grace of God. Uh, there's, there must be teaching about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Later on, although I'm sure they handled it early on as well, but we find certainly in the Paul's letters, uh, apostles teaching on relationships, marriage, singleness, family life, kids, teenagers, adults, the elderly, um, widows, the sick, the doctrines of the church, the mission of the church, the suffering of the church, the death uh, and judgment and the return of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit brings all this teaching to the church in their first few years and gives us all today still a pattern for our lives together, for every single part of our lives. Church, we need the Holy Spirit. That is what we take hold of. This is what we take hold of and devote ourselves to as we come to Jesus Christ. They're also devoted to the fellowship. It's a word that gets used a lot in, in old churches. We Churches sometimes in the UK get called fellowships. It's a beautiful word, the Greek word koinonia. Um, it, it, the, it's a distinctive new community that is only formed because of Jesus Christ. Hey, there's all kinds of good communities uh, around the world and in our town. There's all kinds of good community stuff going on in our town. Uh, we certainly would never say we're the only ones doing it. But we've been formed into a group which is held together by a devotion to Jesus first. And because of that, a devotion to one another. And that's something quite extraordinary. From Genesis onwards, where we find a God, Father, Son and Spirit, who's always lived in perfect community together, making mankind in his image, not wanting man to be alone. Adam and Eve, families growing, um, meeting with God in relationship, in the cool of the evening, Genesis shows us, but then distorted by sin and mankind's independence from God. Ever since that point, we've been crying out for true expressions of community life. Um, we, we see just a few chapters on early in Genesis, you get to the Tower of Babel story, and now independent, separate mankind is almost cursed again, really. It's like a second curse after the Garden of Eden, and God spreads us out around the world, different languages, different cultures, tribes uh, around the world. Now, however, from these stories we've been reading the last few weeks through the cross of Christ, by the Holy Spirit, men and women from all kinds of different backgrounds coming back together under the headship of, of Jesus Christ as a new family, as a new body. The day of Pentecost where they speak this shared language in a new tongue that the Holy Spirit gives that suddenly everyone in the crowd in the city can understand. It's like a complete reversal of what happened at Babel where through sin and independence people were spread out. Now by the Spirit of Jesus Christ they gathered back together in around Jesus. And this imperfect Imperfect, I did say that right, new community is formed. The Holy Spirit guarantees one day Jesus is returning and then we will be made perfect. Um, but right now, these imperfect communities somehow um, point towards the day when Jesus Christ will return in the way that we relate to one another and relate to him. We're united now through the cross by the Holy Spirit. We've connected to Jesus and we've connected to one another. We can't form this kind of community in our own planning, our own strategy. Uh, we just go back to kind of Babel ways. Um, but there's a new way of the Spirit for us. It's only possible when we come to the cross, when we sing as we've done this morning and mean it in our hearts. Lord, I'm going to forgive others as I've been forgiven. I'm going to accept as I've been accepted. 
I'm going to love as I've been loved. I'm going to serve as I've been served. Um, when we start to create community like that by the Spirit's help, community like this by the Spirit's help, then we're beginning to point towards the kind of devotion that we're called to, to Jesus Christ and to one another. Wow. Devoted to Jesus in worship and in prayer. Um, I think I'm just going to do a couple more verses and then I will um, leave it for this morning. Uh, I'm not going to go through all my notes. Let me just say on, on these things here, devoted to Jesus in worship and in prayer. Um, Acts 1.14, before the Holy Spirit's come on these disciples, Jesus has ascended into heaven. It says, uses the same word when it says they devoted them. They, they were constant in prayer. It's the same word, devoted in prayer. They, they started, the Holy Spirit fell, they looked at one another and said, we've got a church of 3,120 now, what do we do? Oh, let's carry on being devoted in prayer. They carried on as they started. And again, if we're going to be this kind of community, in all its imperfection, we must be a praying people. It's the same word later on Paul uses in his letters to the Colossian church, Colossians 4.2. He says, devote yourselves to, be, to prayer and be watchful and, and thankful. I think some of us see prayer meetings as an optional extra for the really keen ones in and around the church, for the front ranks. But this new community teaches us that a prayerful life together is part of our pattern as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's where we learn, where we grow, where we hear him speak, where we support each other, where we give thanks, where we cry out for things together. And not just in the gather meeting, but in our homes, uh, as, as we see later on in the, in the passage. So we have an instruction to devote ourselves to prayer as well here in this generation. We've got loads of opportunities to pray um, that we create around the, through, through the week, um, through the month, uh, through our weeks of prayer and fasting, nights of prayer and worship and encounter, never mind small groups where you're going to pray with people every week, never mind in your home, um, devoted in prayer. Um, Danny, can you come and help us with, with communion? Um, let me just finish with this, uh, this story. We were, um, when we were with the team in Brazil a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, we'd finished a meeting somewhere, an Americana, a town called Americana, and we went uh, to someone's house, we were invited to someone's house for a meal. It was pretty late by the time we finished up at church and got there. We probably didn't finish eating until about 11 uh, at night. And we were chatting with a lovely guy and his, his two um, grown-up sons, 18 and 24, and two of their mates that were eating pizza with us. About half 11, these, these four young lads, 18 to 24, they're all pretty, uh, pretty buff. They're the kind of boys that make you stand up straight and try and hold your stomach in. And uh, they stood up and said, hey, thanks, we're, we're going out now. And, we said something like, oh, you're off to a party, or, you know, it's half 11 at night, the time that youngsters are just going out for the evening, and uh, the time that guys like me are just going to bed. And they said, oh, uh, yeah, we're going out, but we're, we're going to pray. And we said, oh, okay. Uh, you're going to what, sorry? Uh, <laughs> they said, oh, we're going to pray. We go into the forest, into the woods, where it's quiet, where we won't be disturbed, and we're going to pray till the early hours of the morning. I said, what time have you got work tomorrow? Oh, I'm up for work at 5 o'clock, said one of them. Um, but you're going to pray? Yeah, we might pray through till 3, 4 o'clock. Um, I'm young, I don't need much rest, he said. So what are you praying about? Oh, we're praying for, the, praying for our business, we're praying for our lives, we want to get hold of the will of God, uh, we want to see the Holy Spirit poured out on our city, and praying for the church. And, oh, we, we stood there with our jaws at the floor, seeing an example of what it means to be devoted in prayer. Oh God, would you give us such disciples? Would you give me such a measure of discipleship in my life? Many more things we could say from these verses, and I wanted to say some things about the, their devotion to the breaking of bread. 
Um, but we're going to break bread together, and I'll ask Danny just to lead us through that. So I won't say anything about that. When you get home today and this week, why don't you just read through verses 43 to 47, where you see the outworking of what this devotion does for them as a community. There's awe in their worship. There are miracles and provision. There's this wonderful shared life because they've caught something first and foremost in Jesus Christ. Um, This devotion to meeting together in their homes and in the gathered setting like this. And finally, the favour of God on them as they spread out into their workplaces, into their city, every day people being saved and and added. Our prayer, the week of prayer at the start of this year was, oh God, would you add to our number monthly those who are being saved? Uh, I'd love to pray, Lord, would you add to our number weekly those who are being saved? The prayer in the Acts community is, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. As we come to the table, as we come to worship together, that's the prayer that's resonating in our heart. Read those last three, four verses of the passage together, and the application you can pull out for yourselves is pretty simple, but I want you to pray it this week and to say, God, would you form this in my life, in my home, in my small group community, with my friends, with my family. Amen?